0: Welcome today to our podcast. My guests today are Ellen Mars and Lori Brown. Now, Ellen Mars um, has received the INS Innovation Award, and Lori was her nominator. So welcome both Lori and Ellen. Thank you. Hi. Very good. Now, Lori, I'm gonna start with you. You were the nominator here, and I'm gonna have you, first of all, tell us a little bit about you, your practice, and then tell us why you nominated Ellen for this award.
1: So I worked with Ellen um, for the past about 13 years, but we've known each other a little bit longer than that. I came to Northside Hospital and under Ellen's um, suggestion. Um, I had recently, I had lost my mother and I was looking to go back into nursing and she said, come work with us. So I went there and it was obvious right away Ellen's. Um, leadership and skills, and that the, the team and everything that we did with infusion therapy was extremely important to her. So she was pretty much a mentor for me. Um, Ellen was the clinician at the time, and I was just a lowly old IV nurse. I became certified, and Ellen trained me to, to place pick lines. And then, many years later, about I guess eight years after that, I became the clinician and was working with Ellen. And then Ellen took the position when our boss, Barb March, retired, and it was a new position. It was called the service care coordinator. We had been mostly just working out of the Atlanta location at Northside Hospital, but in the last couple of years that Barb was there, we were primarily, Ellen and Barb, were starting to work with the other two hospitals, the sister hospitals, because they also had IV teams. And pick nurses. And when Ellen was going to move into the position when Barb left, she had some things that she really wanted in place and she wanted to make sure there was a good leadership team in place, which is why I nominated her for the award because it's there's a lot of systems out there that have IV nurses or pick nurses, but the the what Ellen and Barb before her developed was a team Not a pick team, but an IV therapy team out of all the hospitals and that all work together. Any of us could go to any one of the three hospitals at that time. There's now more than that and could work in in this, in the position, whether we place picks or we, or we do rounds on the floors with the patients. It's a whole team effect in that we do rounds on patients. We place lines. We troubleshoot lines. Um, we help educate the staff at all the hospitals, um, not just the IV therapy staff, but also the nurses at the bedside as well on um, what's best for the patients, um, what their needs are and how we can accommodate them and how to take care of those lines and keep their veins safe. And that's the whole picture that, and then bringing it all three of the hospitals together all under the same umbrella was the innovation that, I recognized Ellen for. And then, even when COVID came to be, she continued working the whole as a whole system approach and not just what we do at this hospital or that hospital, but that we all work together and that we all work the same way to bring the best practice to our patients. And she does a great job.
0: Very good. Now, Ellen, I know it's very hard to to sit and <laughs> listen to that. I can see your face. For those of you at home, we're actually looking at each other on a computer, and it's hard to sit there and listen to people saying great things about you. But that's okay. This is, this is your day. We, we are so happy to honor you. And Ellen... What I'd like you to do for us is tell us just a bit about yourself. Tell us about your practice, and then we're going to go in and we're going to talk about currently what brought it about for you to receive this nomination.
2: Well, um, honestly, I came to Northside and was an IV therapy staff nurse when my children were little. I was in in a job at Shepherd Spinal Center, and I came here because I needed a change. And that was stressful. It was a wonderful job, a wonderful place. And actually, Lori ended up working there at the same time we didn't even know each other for a couple Mm. of years. It's a funny thing. We have kind of parallel lives. And so I thought, well, I can start IVs. I'll go to Northside and do IVs, and I'll find out which floor I want to work on. Well, it was a good fit for me. IV therapy was. And it, it just was always a good fit. It's a great job.
0: Mm-hmm. It's still a
2: great job. It's a wonderful job to be able to do something comforting to the patient and have some autonomy with your day and learn new skills. And every, people will say, "What? what's uh, What's it like doing the same thing every day? It's never the same thing. It's something new every single patient, every single day. And we've uh, Lori loves this like I do and, and that's kind of our common bind that we uh, both really enjoy this part. So anyway, I did that for maybe 10 years. And then I learned to place picks and did that for maybe 10 years. And then I was the clinician for probably 12 years in there somewhere and got this job three years ago. But um, this hospital and our leaders here, including Barbara, who, who was the boss of this team for like 28 years, wasn't she, Laura? Yeah. And before me and her. And the boss that I report to now, who was Barbara's boss, have always allowed us to bring best practice to the Mm -hmm. forefront, always. I remember going to INS in 2004 with Barbara March, and people listening to this will know Barbara March. And um, we went and we heard about ultrasound placed pick lines. And we were like, oh my God, can you believe that? We're going to do that. We want to do that. (laughs) And we brought that practice back, and we decided a few things right off the bat. We decided we had to have two nurses at the bedside each and every time, and we always have, and we have always stuck to that, and Northside always supported that. We always said that's going to be the best way to do it, and they were like, do it that way. And so they have always been supportive of what we have learned at INS and also at AVA and Mm. what we consider to be best practice here at our. Facility And our boss, Judy Gardner, has always been supportive of that. Barbara managed the team more than I did and allowed me to be clinical. And that was wonderful. And then um, I met Lori and she came in and she was a a fourth partner in that group that allowed this to be very clinical practice and, and very high level practice. We've been able to do it the way we think is the very best. And it's been wonderful that way.
0: Excellent. I'm so happy to hear how supportive your organization has been for almost 30 years. Excellent, It really has. Excellent work. So your nomination was for innovation. <laughs> so um, you're in good company, uh, you know, across the United States. Nurses have had to innovate and work really hard to get there and make everything work during the coronavirus pandemic. So Ellen, tell us about some of the challenges that you faced in your organization during the pandemic. Maybe think of how it was at the outset and how it is now.
2: Well, we initially, like everyone, we were all very frightened and our nurses were frightened and it was overwhelming. And um, we didn't know... Some of the things that we'd always done, like we've seen every patient in the med surge area in our hospital every day, always, because we see every IV of those med surge patients, peripheral or central, in our hospital every day. And with the coronavirus, we didn't want to keep going into rooms, exposing nurses, exposing patients. And we also wanted to continue to provide our high level of care. And then we also had some staffing challenges that were uniquely because of the illness. We had a couple people who were out system-wide who um, couldn't be here because they had pre-existing conditions. And we had a few people who actually got sick over the time. Now, a couple of them had actually developed coronavirus and a couple of them had other things, but we would keep them out 10 days because we didn't know whether they had it or not. So we had some real staffing challenges. So what we ended up having to do was kind of triage our practice day to day. Every day we, came in, we kind of made it up as we went. But our, our primary thing was to see every single central line that we could see. And during the uh, highest part of the coronavirus pandemic, the, the worst numbers that we had here in Georgia, we saw the patients every other day and we had an eyeball to eyeball conversation with the nurse taking direct care of the patient because those nurses don't see the things that we see when we look at a central line dressing. They just don't. But so we would say, is it intact? Is it sticking? And we'd go speak to them directly. It wasn't just okay to pass it off to them. So we did that for a period of time and we Answered calls and SARS saw the other patients as best we could. So we had to do what I imagine they do in the emergency department every day: we triaged and we did priority care. And um, as soon as we could, in order to take care of the clepsy rate, make sure we, because the patients were horribly sick, some of lots of central lines, and we were concerned about collapse rates. We got back to the bedside and saw those patients every day. Those patients had. Difficulty maintaining central line dressings. They had a lot of diaphoresis. They were dreadfully sick. And so those patients really did need to be seen every day, excuse me. And we quickly learned that. And as soon as we could, we got back to that. And we did that at all the campuses that we we took care of. We also, this this uh, provided one of the blessings of this COVID virus Um was that uh, because of our staffing needs, we really became a system, our three hospitals, because those nurses that could do our job at another system didn't typically float back and forth. But guess what? We, we became a more cohesive group with this because yeah. we had to. We had to. We're yeah. all just surviving as best we could. And it really uh, gave us um, a, a system of, of a department. For a change, a a greater system. So that was good stuff.
0: Very good. Thank you. Lori, from your perspective, how did you see Ellen rise Mm -hmm. to the occasion when COVID 19, the concern for COVID 19, became evident in your facilities?
1: I think Ellen was the glue that held us all together because it was extremely stressful. Um, We got hit really hard and fast everybody wanted to do the right thing for their patients we knew that in the icu because they were prone and they were sweating and they were drooling and the dressings just could not be ma- maintained as well as uh, i think some of them were uh, saying they were so we went back in and, and did like a couple days or we saw them every day i believe ellen remember before we went back in permanently and we said let's look at them for a couple days and they looked yeah terrible they were not lasting so she mm-hmm. every morning, Ellen was in the office if she was in Atlanta or Forsyth or Cherokee, you know talking to everybody, listening to them. they would pour in the hallway. There was a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, and she supported everybody and I don't know how she did it. I was always mm-hmm. saying, "Thank goodness we have masks because I was like, "Oh, you know we we're all kind of screaming <laughs> you know with our without our voices coming out. It was all hidden behind the mask mm-hmm. but We learned as much as we could. We kept up the hospital, kept us uh, well supplied um, with PPE and um, everything that they could do that was correct, um, they did. So we we had a lot of support with that. And we, Ellen, nixed rumors if someone came in the office and said, they're not giving out N95, she found out within an hour or so where that came from and was trying to help correct it within the hospital system. You know, somebody's passing rumors that this person's not getting them. But we, you know, when we went to floors and our N95 fell on the ground and we were just getting one a day, you know, she would, um, someone would say, Oh, I see you won't let us have an N95. I'll take care of it. She took care of it. So it, that was just extremely good leadership right at the bedside, helping us with what we needed help with. And then supporting us with, with 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 things that we talked about. We had talked about, we had begun the use of a new product for the insertion site um, to help secure it and keep germs from getting in there. And we hadn't really ramped up on it. And when we saw those dressings not looking good in, um, on our COVID coronavirus patients, she's like, if you need to do it, let's do it. Let's get it on everybody. Let's protect these patients. And we saw good outcomes. So that was great to get that support to just move forward with something that um, we believed was going to be beneficial for the patients. And it was better for the Mm -hmm. IV team as well, because not having to do as many dressings gave them less exposure with the patients at the bedside as well. So we're always thinking about protecting our patients and protecting our staff, emotionally and physically. Um, She even brought in Uh, counselor to talk to zoom in on our, on our, in our office meetings and had everybody on it. She's done that. Probably you're still doing that. Right. I've, I've now moved. (laughs) So I'm sure that's still happening. And um, Mm -hmm. so that was very helpful for a lot of people. There was, as you can imagine in that environment, a lot of stress.
2: Yeah. Yeah, there was. And, and to Lori's credit, while I was busy, Lori's been my right-hand person for a lot of years, and since I've been sitting in this desk for absolutely sure, while I was handling staffing issues, she's investigating what's the best way to secure the dressing, what's the risk with this type of uh, illness for our central line patients, what is is the pick line, the best option. And then she's filling my ear with that piece of it. So I could do the piece I needed to do and Mm -hmm. has always done that for me. And Laura, you have, and I, I, you know, I absolutely can't, I I don't know how I'm going to do this job without you sitting here by (laughs) me anyway, but um, it's been a great partnership for a long time. And likewise, our boss has been, what do you need? Tell me what you need. That does, The management, um, administrative management here at the hospital, I mean, had, I think for two or three weeks, people didn't know, but I'm on a hallway where I do know. They were on conference calls for 12 hours a day and they'd say, we had PPE throughout. And my family would call me and they'd say, if you got PPE, are you? And I said, yes, we have it. Now, every day the, the mask might look different, but we had stuff throughout. And they took good care of us. And um, I don't know, it was amazing. And our staff was amazing too. There was a whole group that has been here from the very start through all of this. Mm -hmm. And they have way exceeded any expectations and stood in remarkably and and really seen some tough stuff and really come through it beautifully.
0: Exceptional work, both of you both of you.
2: It's been quite an ordeal. And it's been, it's been wonderful to see nurses recognized as well. Because, you know, we're, we're not on it. I mean, we don't get a lot of thanks We just do our thing. And nurses have been recognized beautifully this year. And that's one of those good things that came out of this miserable experience, that, (laughs) that nurses are appreciated for the really tough job they do every single day. And the world didn't know it, I don't think.
0: Right, right. Tough before, tough during, and it's going to still be tough later on as well. It's not over, no. um, Right. So, you know, it isn't all of the time that we have something that's so cataclysmic as a pandemic to prove our leadership skills. But I know, talking to both of you, you both have... Uh, very distinct leadership qualities, but it goes way, way way back so let's let's go back in time and let's talk about some things that you changed um, some innovations, some ways of managing patient care that were different so for instance, you mentioned using ultrasound to place a pick I mean in two thousand four yep that was that was new news. And now it's almost—it's just pretty much standard, you know. Uh-huh. We don't—we don't, we don't place picks without ultrasound. Um, let's talk about the innovative ways that your team has been led over the years and the changes in practice that you have experienced.
2: I remember our boss was the first one to put a pick line in in anyone in Atlanta. Did you know that, Lori? Yeah. Barbara was, and the pick line came on like a fishing reel through a slotted (laughs) needle and she unreeled it into the patient's arm and then um, I remember watching more experienced nurses when I was early years in IV therapy and they scrubbed a little bit threw a couple towels around shoved this big needle in the anticubital and Peel away sheath after the pick went oh, in. And please. I remember before ultrasound, what our success rate was it was like 40%, 40%. And we would have, and we would do about 40 a month, and it was a big deal. And we started doing this, and um it was amazing. We actually taught a couple nurses from a couple different hospitals. I'll be quiet about that. But we did, we taught other nurses in hospitals around Atlanta. And um, it was really very exciting. We were on a local chapter. Uh, There were four or five of us that were in the local chapter on the board for years. Barbara was for years. Then she dragged me in and I was for a couple of years and other people too. And um, being in as a part of INS all those years was fabulous we had networks we could pick up the phone and say what'd you do about this we shared supplies with St. Joe's across the street when we ran out of picks, we'd (laughs) we'd run them across the street to them and they'd send them back to us I mean things have gotten big and different but um the local chapter was huge in helping us develop and we went to INS all the time every year we'd try to go we went to the annual um educational conference and and eventually Ava came around and we go to that as well but INS the standard of practice we use that to develop our policies and that's been our we're like where's the the 2021 we want to give it to us we're ready it's on
0: its way it's on its
2: way I know I know but um so yeah so we we did that and we we tried we would see all of the products at INS. We've tried a lot of stuff over the years. I don't even want to. I, I can't. I don't want to say too many. But we use midlines now that we didn't use before. We uh, we're thinking that going forward, might we might look into trying to have nurses place IJs. Physicians even mm-hmm. um, radiology that they don't want to do that. They want to do interventional radiology wants to do interventional radiology not place lines and so right. we're going to keep this keep this going here i think and keep moving forward right now lots of our nurses almost all of our nurses we're trying to get them up to speed with ultrasound pivs here's something we did too that was really a this was innovative we we wanted a market differential for being iv therapy we wanted a specialist hey like critical care gets, like oncology gets, and and the hospital gave it to us, and we agreed to make sure that all of our nurses got nationally certified, and they are. They have a couple. They have a couple of years to get it done, but they have to do it, and so that's been a huge piece of raising the bar for our group too. is getting them all nationally certified, and they are. And um,
1: exemplary.
2: And they know that they have to do that when they come through the door. And Lori had a lot of fun making sure that everyone got their stuff done <laughs> and learned the things they needed to learn and filled in the gaps. And uh, that was a huge piece for us that that happened. And, and I can just It's imagine. been a great thing.
0: Yeah. Lori, you have to tell me. I can see your eyes right now. You're kind of smart, smiling a little bit. Tell us what was involved for you to get everybody prepped and ready uh, to become nationally certified.
1: First, I want to say one of Ellen's ways of being innovative is that she, when she when she wants to get rid of a job, she's like, "Hey, we're going to give you a promotion. You're going to start training people to put pick lines in." <laughs> All excited, and then and then so I got that job, and I'm like, "Wait a minute, be careful what you wish for." But <laughs> but um, that that just leads into you know getting everybody ready as best as I could, because honestly, some of the testing changes in the material you have doesn't match the new testing. And, uh, and Ellen and I both have AVA and INS and it's, it, I'm just kind of like study all of it because you need it anyway within your job, but trying to get them ready. We got, we got, we get book- booklets for them. We, we go to the education department and say, Hey, you're paying for other nurses to get trained through classes, you know, for med surge and ICU, how about us? We're, we're required to be certified. So getting them the education department of the hospital to help pay for some of the cost instead of it coming out of our budget or out of our nurses pockets that way, just printing up the CDC guidelines for them, you know, it's like 50 some pages and I'm like, here's your little booklet, this is what you need to study. But also, um, one of the things Ellen brought forth too, is like trying to also help to pair them up with somebody who's taken the test before um it gets hard when when Mm -hmm. i've taken the test back in 2008 or 9 and then even 14 and then now it's like oh what was on that test well that's like seven tests ago you know it's all changed but constantly Mm -hmm. just pulling articles and leaving articles out for them that are more updated and talking about new products and and just maybe to ad nauseum, talking about what's going on in vascular access. Oh, this is what I read. I'm, I'm constantly reading and learning and trying to bring that stuff back or typing up a memo and saying new things that we have going on or, or putting up information up on a board. We have slots in the office where it's all this things that we've started doing, we've started, the nurses on one of our floors are doing aquiferesis. And so they're working with those type of patients as well. And you know, working with dialysis lines, you know, the dialysis you don't have dialysis nurses in the hospital all day long anymore. So you have to you have to have somebody that they can fall back on when somebody shows up in the ER in the middle of the night and they need to have their dialysis or after five o'clock, have the dialysis line uh load and, you know, scooch off and go to get it removed the next day and, and that stuff. So putting that together so that when that happens once in a lifetime they know what to do. Or (laughs) bloodletting <laughs> so we had a patient one time we had to you know remove he had such high h H. we had to remove a lot of blood from him. none of us had done that so finding out who um ellen who does bloodletting in the hospital she's like oh they do it at the infusion center so get, oh, get. <laughs> yeah going to the infusion center and saying give me your information yes yeah. the good old yeah the good old infusion in center. center yes
0: absolutely Therapeutic phlebotomy, yeah. it, there is a knack to that, oh, by the no, way, too. Right <laughs> it's, it. it's, yeah. It's, it's
1: well, they, yep, like, not, oh, it's not as, as easy as, as I'm it's like, okay, wait a minute. I don't think that's what we're supposed to do in such a short period of time, you know, just so we can get
2: into surgery.
0: Yeah. Very good. I thought of something, Dawn,
2: I wanted to make sure that I mentioned. And Laura, you'll remember that we wanted to make sure that part of what we do as a full service IV therapy team and I wish I, I mean I wish I had a platform to sell this to everybody in the whole country but
0: you do right part- now
2: well <laughs> right. we participate in all the HAI committees in the hospital oncology critical care med surge the in the big meeting as well and we're we're involved in that because when the clapsy rate goes up they want to know what's going on and so We're involved in that, and we participate in interdisciplinary rounds and line necessity and make recommendations about what's the appropriate line. I think the trend, um, and it's probably partly financially based, is to just pay nurses to put your picks in. and The physician orders a dual pick, and the single lumen's appropriate or the triple lumen's appropriate or a port is appropriate. But we have a voice to all that because we're participating in all that. They know us whether they want to or not. They've, they've learned how to. And, and, and we have a voice for that. And that's uh, that's been a valuable thing in helping us take care of patients and meet their needs as they are at the moment rather than just follow an order. So that's been a part of what we do here that's a little different, I think is is mm-hmm. participating in those com- committees and and kindly those managers on some of those in some of those departments have been like oh my god i don't like our rates and blah blah and over the years they've pulled us into those things and then the other one hears about it we get pulled into that so we've the the hospital's been welcoming that way because we do we have a we can make an impact that absolutely
0: way. absolutely it, it, that impacts so many things so many populations and you have a voice and a choice and the ability to help select products the ability to help problem solve and you become more and more indispensable until finally they say where are those iv therapy nurses we need them at the table so right
2: yeah so very very good because it's not a it's intangible, so it's hard to to measure that in dollars and cents just in the moment, but over time it becomes obvious, but that's that's the hard sell,
0: yeah so we're we're really going to need to close up on our conversation here today, but what I'd like to do is ask each of you one more question, and I would like you to speak to the nurse who's considering doing a similar thing that you've done. You've you've stepped out of a role that you've had in the past and you've moved into the infusion therapy realm. You are, um, as you guys place it, the IV team, the IV nurses, I've heard you refer to your, your group in several different ways, but you're talking about <laughs> a body of knowledge and a level of skill that few people possess. What would you say to someone who's considering moving this direction, and what would you advise as their next step? So, Lori, I'm going to start with you, and then we'll move to Ellen.
1: First thing I would advise is um, if you don't know it, find it out. Um, so, if you're if you are going to have a conversation about with a physician about why this or say you're in the ICU, why maybe midlines are not something that we're going to just put into everybody two and three midlines you need to bring the information and the literature to those physicians because they do think in that way or if you don't have it at the time let them know so you know i'm gonna look into this but i'm gonna get back to you and then follow up with that because um they will re- respect that if you bring them the information the information is correct and up to date so that's important that you're you don't just get your certification and then you know not continue to learn. You need to continue to learn. It changes every day. Coronavirus changed a lot of things for caring for patients with central lines. Hmm. And, um, and get to know everybody in the hospital. Um, I had a really good relationship with the PA and IR. Uh, We all had good relations, Ellen, you know, with our materials management so that we made sure we weren't forgotten and we have good relationships with, the clinicians and the supervisors on all the floors, talking to them all the time, making sure they know that we're around, give that they can call us at any time. That was frequently, you know, Ellen, Lori, phone call, phone call, you know, just have a question. Sure. I mean, I remember one time Ellen saying to me, so I'm going to get them to stop asking you all these questions. I said, that is the best and the easiest part of my job is answering questions, you know, so learn how to answer questions. Good for you. Clearly and And get back with them if you don't
0: have the answer, you know, because that is important. Mm -hmm. Okay. Ellen.
2: Well, I do think this is the best job in the world that it, that it is, uh, you get to be a team player, work with the team, but you also get to have autonomy. You get to be with patients, but you're not there for 12 hours, three days in a row with the same patients, which didn't work for me forever. Um, but there's always something new to learn. A lot of the nurses that come to IV therapy are in the middle of their career. And so they've mastered assessment and some med surge skills. And now they're, we, we often surprise them by teaching them PICs and ultrasound PIVs. And I think they think they're coming into something easy and they are like, Whoa, this is pretty challenging Absolutely. It's a cool thing to be able to contribute to that though. We have, in this profession, the ability to grow in uh, so many ways. We we can, I think, before this is done, before I'm off this earth, that nurses will be placing these li- all these lines and um and and to be in uh to be forty years old and and have a CRNI and a VABC and to be at the beginning of that part of their career. They, they have the opportunity to really have that impact if they have a passion for this. They can make a difference, a, a huge difference for the patients going forward. And And it's exciting to me. And they also have the ability to have the clinician role as an educator. They can be a staff nurse and place IVs and contribute mightily. They can be a pick specialist. And that's awesome. That's an awesome job to be able to place PICs and do it well and be contributing that way. could be an educator like Lori is, and you can also be in the job that I am and, and more of a management position at this point. But um, it, it's a career that o- offers a lot. And um, if you want it, it's a good one. We always think it's the best. Well said.
0: Well said. Lori, thank you so much for nominating Ellen thank Mars you. for the INS Innovation Award. Absolutely. Uh, She was the right person for this award. We're so happy about that. Ellen, congratulations. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much. It's
0: been wonderful. And thank you, Lori. (laughs) Thank you, Dawn. (laughs) It's so great to recognize excellent work, exceptional work. And Lori, I know that you've got more stories to tell, too. So I'm going to drag you back here someday, and we're going to talk about what you're up to in Florida. Uh, what's on the education front down there?
1: So, I'm actually, I took a job down here um, and I'm going to be at the bedside putting fixing, which I'm excited about as well because I, that is, you know, the beautiful part of the job is, you know, taking care of the patient. I always, part of my job was um, 40% in the work team as well. So, whenever I was in the workflow, I was like, oh, yes. I'll be placing the pics today. I mean, I love, love, love taking care of the patients. So that's what I'll be doing down here. My husband will yeah.
2: be good, good at too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, thank you both. I appreciate your time today. I know you uh, You need to get back to work. And Ellen, you probably have a list a mile long. Um, it, it always goes to desk. Um, <laughs> well, that's okay. We can, None of us can <laughs> see it. <laughs> good. <laughs> thank you both. It's been wonderful time. Yes. This concludes this episode of INS Infusion Room, a podcast of the Infusion Nurses Society. We welcome your comments. You can reach us at Infusion Room at INS1.org. That's Infusion Room at INS1.org. Thank you for listening.